And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It's the Big Hulk. We got a lot of action going on in the tournament. Uh, it's a great time of the year. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, quite the upset. We saw the upset of our lifetime, arguably, sleep. I don't think there's big, any bigger upset in my lifetime uh, than what Fairley Dickinson did to uh, Purdue. So I'm ready to talk about it, ready to have a great pod. No Kansas, no Purdue, no Marquette, no Kentucky, no Duke, no Arizona, no Missouri, no NC State, no Virginia, no Tar Heels, right? No, a lot of people, man. We said that, I mean, it wasn't like all that um, earth shattering that we would come up with the fact that it's anybody's championship here. But damn, dude, it sure is. Uh, It's been a wild opening weekend. I mean, there's upset alert as we're uh as we're recording this thing here Sunday night haven't quite finished all the games yet got Creighton and Baylor uh might be might be real close to wrapping by the time we wrap here uh fairly Dickinson and FAU uh what about there just absolute slugfest um a couple of those games are still live those are the only two but damn man bunch of storylines to get into um Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets wow um Carolina uh, still not playing, and I don't know, man. Not much else to get into other than uh, NCAA March Madness. I mean, that's why we're here. Um, not even sure where to start, Big Hawk. I think you mentioned it. It's uh, as much as I want to start with Duke. They are who we thought they were. Uh, as much as I want to start by talking shit about NC State, they're definitely who we thought they were. Virginia was too. Kentucky was too. Um. You know, you mentioned that, hey, I'm not sure with uh, Bill Self's, uh, you know, maybe not coaching, not so sure how they'll fare. You called that. They're gone. Purdue, man, that's a shocker. Um, I watched a lot of that game. Uh, they seem to really have, um, you know, they seem to really have a game plan, like a legitimate. I mean, I guess I guess that's my thing is like if you're a 16 seed. I guess what what probably happened, I mean, you probably played against 16 seeds, right? And, I mean, they just kind of come out, and you're just flat out better than they are. And, you know, they might have a game plan, but it's like what Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face, right? Like, And it just happens. And, and I mean, it's happened once before in Virginia. Uh, I forget who the hell they lost to. But, um, but, but Fairleigh Dickinson had a game plan. And they executed it, and they doubled down on Edie because he was the one guy they, they could beat him. And like, I just thought it was crazy because I was watching like uh, the world news, you know, like on I'm I'm that age, right? The the like ABC like world news, and the stat that they kept coming to about that game was that Fairleigh Dickinson was the shortest team in college basketball, and I was like, it's just it was just kind of a weird thing for them to. Uh, to home in on, but they were like, yeah, their average height is six, six, one. I mean, and you think about it, average height. Yeah. And um, uh, anyway, they, they, they pulled it off, man. They were like, um, like the damn, I don't even know. Pleasant. I make every shot. Go ahead. Well, if I could compare it to a team, it'd be 40 minutes of hell, uh, with, uh, Nolan Richardson from Arkansas back in the day. Oh, what they, call. What they did, and you got to give uh, Tobin Anderson a lot of credit, the head coach of Fairley, Fairley Dickinson, he made his team believe. And 
from the time that they won the play-in game, he said, hey, listen up. And everyone saw this on social media. The more I watch Purdue, the more I know we can beat them. And that video kind of went viral before. And usually that's some locker room, uh, you know, stuff you would put up. Hey, look, look what their head coach says about us. And it really motivates the guys. But he had a game plan. And not only did he have a game plan when you're it, it was truly a David versus Goliath type of game. And I, I got to give him credit. And where the credit was is one, he made his team believe. He gave them confidence rolling into the game, which is a huge deal. If you're a 16 seed and you're a one seed, and I was asked this question, do you think that Fairly Dickinson thought they would win the game before the game? And I said, yes. As a player, I don't think you ever walk into a game thinking you're going to lose. And I was on set with two other former players and said, no way, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I, I was just mind blown. But also, what uh, Tobin Anderson did was he had a game plan. And the one thing that they did was they gave them full court pressure. And I said this before uh, Purdue entered the tournament. It's not on Zach Eady. It's on their guards. Mm -hmm. This team will go as far as their guards will take them. If they get good guard play and they make outside shots, then they're going to, they're going to make a deep run. And what they did is with Purdue's, especially a uh, lawyer, uh, the young guards, the young freshmen for Purdue and those guards, they put pressure on them that they've never seen before hmm. in a new tournament environment. And they clammed up. They did not want to shoot the ball late in the game. They were not hitting anything from the outside. And they just simply could not get Zach Eady the ball. And the also on the other end, on the flip side, they made Edy guard on the outside. Mm -hmm. And Edy really, really struggled trying to guard perimeter players. Uh, he just, as good as he is and as dominant as he is, he could not move his feet laterally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and keep uh, fairly Dickinson's guards in front of him. And so it just got to the point where I was watching the game. It looked like the guards didn't even want to have the ball. They were so nervous. Mm -hmm. Uh it was a it was one of the best coach games I've ever seen. Yeah, and I it, this one, you know, we talk a lot about stats and box scores and how they don't really tell a full story, but I feel like this one does, right? Because Edie was still Edie. I mean, at twenty one and 15, 7 eleven from the floor, you know, shot fly, fine from the from. But the only line. eleven, only eleven shot attempts. Only eleven shots. It's crazy. Yep. And then to your point, their guards, well, forwards and guards, the rest of the team here. I can't do quick math and, and sum it all together, but. 3 of 10, 2 of 10, 4 of 10, 1 of 4, 0 2, 0 3, right? Like, here's here's what's fascinating to me. You go down immediately to the bottom of the box score and you're like, man, Purdue must have played like shit in order to have this happen. And, okay, fine. I, I think a lot of it had to do with the defense. They shoot 30, 36% from the floor. They shoot 19% from 3, 5 of 26. Oh, sleep dog could hawk that up. But here's the thing. You go up the box score. And you look at what Fairleigh Dickinson did, and you're thinking, these dudes must have shot the lights out. Like, Ray Allen must have suited up for these guys. 38%. 30 from the 30, uh, 30% from three. Only had 10 free throws. Um, Out-rebounded. Out-assisted. They had 11 steals and only nine turnovers. Um, so, so obviously they won this game by playing defense and you can't just point to any one thing and say, oh, some dude got hot and, you know, went for 40. No, they didn't. Um, <laughs> but the teams played, I mean, they played to your point at par on par with Purdue. I mean, and they just beat them. And that's kind of the cool part about it is like, 
that game wasn't um there wasn't a point where you're like it wasn't some dramatic thing. This was like, all right, this you know, they'll go on a run, they'll go on a run, that and they never did. And I think that was probably the thing that, in my opinion, made it I mean, that game was close from the tip. And that's what made it different. I think I don't even remember what happened when Virginia lost. I would imagine it's some kind of similar storyline. But this wasn't like a miracle. This was these guys was like showed up and played start to finish um, and beat probably a lot of people's best team in the country. So, yeah, man, hats off those guys. And they're they're in. And then, of course, when they get down into the second round, you know, uh, they're they're playing an eight, nine FAU Memphis, um, you know, and they they got a shot to go sweet 16. I mean, that would be something. So, well, sleep. Here's a little thing. That you probably don't know. Fairly Dickinson shouldn't be in, should not have been in this fucking tournament. Hmm. And so the team that won their conference championship got an automatic bid. Well, That's that right. team could not get into the tournament because only been they reached it. Not long enough. Yes, qualified and made the transition into being a division one team. And so uh, by default, Fairly Dickinson was the team that came in second in their conference championship. So they, got the bid mm. and you got to give him credit though. They won the, the play-in game and mm-hmm. uh, beat Purdue, but now they got their hands full. And, and a lot of people will look at Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic's a good team. They were the best team in Florida all year. They're better than Miami. The mm-hmm. way they play well coached, they have some veterans, uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see if they sustain it. And also they, out of 356 teams, in college, they ranked like 301 in defense. Uh, mm-hmm. So they they weren't coming into this thing like just a good mid-major. They were a bad mid-major. And they just had a great game mm-hmm. and a good game plan. Uh, and also, to me, this is the biggest upset in my lifetime in all of sport. I cannot, like, I, I've tried to think of something that happened in my lifetime, a bigger upset, and I just can't think of it. And you could talk about uh, Mike Tyson losing to uh, what's his name, Holmes or whatever. Riddick Poe. Yeah, uh, no, sorry, no. Buster Douglas. Is who Plus, yeah, Tyson losing to du- Buster Douglas. That was a pretty big upset. But in our lifetime, I cannot think of a bigger upset than Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Now, you could say UMBC uh, when they beat Virginia. But on record, uh, Fairly Dickinson is is beyond worse than uh, the team that beat Virginia UMBC. That's an interesting uh, argument because I'm sitting here as you're asking that, trying to trying to remember. And the the Tyson thing is actually a really good one. Here's the reason why that game will never get that kind of credit because they beat Purdue, right? And Purdue is like Purdue's a great team. And I agree with you. I think like a purist is going to have is going to respect that argument. But they didn't beat Duke or Carolina. You know, they didn't beat the, you know, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl or something like that. Like, so I think that's going to be the only problem with that becoming like an all time great upset. I mean, Mike Tyson was like king of the world. Right. Um, but it is. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think legitimately. I guess you got like the miracle on ice, but I don't even know if like, well, I mean, was was the U.S. like that big of an underdog? I think so. That's what I always talked about. Um, you know, it could have been like if someone had ever beaten the 92 Dream Team, maybe. But um, but yeah, dude, I mean, that's it's it's hard to fathom, you know, a team like Purdue going in there and losing that game. That's, uh, you know, especially just getting beat. I mean, 
You know, you could almost understand if they just dicked around and then at the last second, these dudes heaved one up and it went in. Um, but, you know, like I said, it was in a weird way, like relatively convincing. Purdue was a 23 and a half point favorite going into that game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was just that was incredible. And and there's a few people that took FDU to, to outright beat them. Oh, you sure. See yeah. there's, there's somebody who placed a big bet. Zach Eady's mamma or something, and then and then some other guy that's like you know what whoever the richest person in the history of Fairleigh Dickinson is. Um, my my question: Zach Eady has another year of eligibility, whether he'll go pro or not. He's not projected like a high NBA uh, draft pick. And I've had this argument. I think he's a. I think somebody will draft him and he'll make a roster because the bigs aren't um, coveted as they once were. He's eligible for another year in college. Yeah, I mean. Who wouldn't love to have him uh, back? And and one other thing, Sleep, I want to talk about uh, is Matt Painter, the head coach for Purdue. And a lot of people probably didn't see this, but because I was analyzing some of the games, I watched this. Not only did he stay and answer every question after the game that the press asked him, he did not dodge one. And he asked if I will sit here and answer everything, explain everything, which isn't an easy thing to do. And you'll see a lot of coaches uh, in particular, we saw uh, Beheim criticize people for asking him questions this year. And Matt Painter, to me, has been the coach of the year all year. And I've given Mm -hmm. him credit because nobody had Purdue being good uh, preseason. And especially when they lose Jaden Ivey and Travion Williams Mm -hmm. and another uh, key guard. I can't think of his name, but what he's done for Purdue all year has been very respectful. He's, he's maintained the number one spot for the majority of the year in college, but also to have an historic loss like this and not blow off the media and sit there and explain everything uh, isn't an easy thing to do. And I had a lot of respect for him answering every question and giving very thoughtful answers and explaining what the process process is going to be for this team and how they uh, cannot do this because he hasn't had a lot of success in the tournament. Last year, they lost to St. Peter's. This year, you know, losing to FDU and the year the year before they lost to, the, you know, some other no-name team or whatever. But I, I actually do believe in Matt Painter uh, and I think he's a good coach and I respect him for what he did after the game in that loss. And I know it wasn't easy to do. So I just want to give him credit for that. That's a good call out, man, because uh, too often, you know, coaches, you know, let, let the emotion or whatever get to them. And um, yeah, it, it ain't easy. And, and especially ain't easy given the fact that you understand, you know, what's coming on the backside of that, which is a lot of criticism. Um, so, uh, you know, ha- yeah, t- truth, uh, truth there. Hats off to that guy. I'm looking here at um, going back to what you were saying earlier. So Fairleigh Dickinson finished second in the Northeast Conference behind Merrimack, which sounds like a tunnel somewhere. Uh, Stonehill, St. Francis, PA. It sounds like a beer. Uh, Wagner, Sacred Heart. I've actually heard of them. St. Francis, Brooklyn, Central Connecticut. Like, I didn't know there was a central Connecticut. Um, I thought Connecticut was just kind of there, not really big enough to have east, west, and, you know, compass signs. And then, get this, Long Island University, who went 1-15 in in conference, 3-26 in overall. I haven't seen a record like that since my days with the Croatan Cougars. And then here's the other thing. Wasn't the Big Ten, like, everybody's talking shit about everybody. The Big Ten is supposed to be somebody, right? Aren't they? Like, they don't have a losing record. 
Purdue, you know, yeah. won there. Like uh, Purdue, I, Purdue lost, Illinois lost. I don't have the bracket in front of me. Michigan State actually advanced today. Michigan State advanced. Uh, Indiana. Um, they're playing. Uh, they're about to play. So we'll we'll find out. They play Miami, which is going to be interesting. Uh, and, you know, and, and yeah, Penn State lost. And so yeah. here, here, here it comes down to, and everyone asks me, is a Big Ten overrated? And here's my question is, what I think you see happen in the Big Ten is you see one style of basketball being played. You see just a grind it out, physical game down low, and now you're starting to see more three shot. The Big Ten, why it doesn't do well in the NCAA tournament is because if you look at the ACC, you look at when they go to Syracuse, they play a zone. Okay, you look when they go out on Florida State, tough physical man-to-man defense. Uh, when you know when we're in school, you used to go to Clemson and you'd see a full-court press. And then you would go and see the athletic bigs and players from Duke. Uh, you got a bunch of different styles of basketball being played within the conference. So mm-hmm. you prepare for each style. Now, in the Big Ten, you get one grinded out, bruising, physical league. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to the tournament, preparing for, let's just say, you know, a zone. Mm-hmm. They don't see the zone that Bayheim runs up in Syracuse. So now everything's kind of foreign because they're not playing their style of basketball. And so if, if you were to ask me, why does the Big Ten not do so well? That's my explanation for it is because they have to prepare for a different style of basketball when it comes tournament time. And they just, you know, to make that transition all of a sudden and not seeing it all year. It's different when the game happens, when you have game experience mm-hmm. instead. And it makes you susceptible to, you know, mm-hmm. lesser teams um, when you get out of your rhythm. I mean, even, you know, in the ACC, you're going to go to Duke and you're going to play against eight people at the same time. You know, so there's a lot of different variabilities or a lot of different variables. You know, going to play against Carolina, going to get the, you know, historically, you're going to get, you know, you're going to be at a track meet. Um, so, yeah, you, you bring up a lot of good points and, you um, you know, there's a good blend of, of variability in the ACC that's just sort of always kind of been there. And and you're right, man. Big Ten basketball is generally a snoozathon, and I think that's why Michigan State has been so good for so long, is because I think they play, you generally play pretty like strong out of conference schedules. They they usually recruit mm-hmm. some pretty athletic guys, and and Tom Izzo is obviously I I don't know I. I never really followed Tom Izzo much other than I always felt like he seemed like a really good guy. So um always liked him. And, and speaking of Duke, you know, I asked the question the last pod, you know, what the hell happens? Duke's one of the hottest teams in basketball. What the hell happens if these guys make a run and make our lives miserable? Uh, well, didn't happen. So didn't matter. Uh, great feeling. Just sort of like if you're going to have a shitty season, if you're Carolina, like what could have made it worse was Duke going on a run and what could have made it like not even more tolerable. I'm just saying like, it literally made it better. Like I feel so much better about Carolina season now that Duke is just like the same damn thing. We all, they always are, which is like, yeah, I ain't going to win anything. You'd be oral Roberts sound like toothpaste. Um, so it was nice to see them get, get bumped. Uh, Tennessee's one of those teams, man. I think a lot of people forgot about, but, you know, they had a, a kind of a rough patch in the middle of the year, um, but they came out strong. I think they were number one team in the country at one point earlier this year. And uh, they got some athletic people. And, and um, you know, I thought they just Duke's, you know, the bane of their existence. They just can't score. I mean, they play like a Big Ten team and uh, you got some bigs inside and they play good defense. But, you know, they got into some foul trouble, I think. And 
Um, I mean, dude, hung 52 on uh, on on Tennessee, and that, and that obviously wasn't enough. So uh, great seeing them get get the uh, the kibosh there. I couldn't think of another game. Like, I mean, NC State lost, and it was kind of like, all right, maybe they'll shut up now. Virginia is kind of you know whatever, man. I mean, they got they got that was a really big upset. Also, well, here, here let's talk Virginia because they've been upset a couple times in the tournament. Uh-huh. And Tony Bennett is considered arguably one of the better coaches in college, which he is, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Uh, they had a historic loss. They were the under team that lost to a 16 seed. Mm-hmm. And Furman was actually a pretty good team. And yep. what happened there was there was a mismatch night, nightmare for Slauson, for Furman, who is a very good player, arguably a pro, uh, who can put the ball down. He can do a little bit of everything, but also... Virginia is one of those teams that just plays so slow that they're always susceptible to being mm-hmm. beaten. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because they're never going to pull away big. It's just going to be like a slow slug score here, score there. And where I think Virginia beats you is they wait for you to make uh, your mistakes and then they capitalize on that because they have that system that will where guys just have to guard off of, you know, the, the ball screens, the guard movement, we're going to slow, we're going to take good shots, and teams have to be patient. But what happened was Furman got out, got out to a strong, got a little bit of lead, and had a huge mismatch and just exploited Virginia. And Virginia, once they got behind, they can't score in bunches because that's not them. They have Mm -hmm. to slowly score and kind of drag their way back, chip, chip, chip away at it. And that is the only upset. I'm one for nine or 10 right now in my upset predictions on Twitter. And Furman, thank you for winning a game because I'd be over if it wasn't for you guys. And uh, that's my thoughts on that game sleep. Yeah. And it's another one. Um, you know, you, meant, you bring up a great point about Virginia, man. A 10 point lead one way or the other in a Virginia game might as well be 20 because whether mm-hmm. they're ahead by, if they get up by 10, it can be hard to come back on because they slow the damn game down. They fall behind by 10. They got to shoot their way out of it and made two threes in the whole game. Um, so yeah, again, another, um, you know, sort of well-executed game plan. Um, Arizona Princeton, that was the other sort of uh, uh, really eye opener. I mean, a 15, two that happens from time to time. It's happened 10 or 12 times. <laughs> But that one was uh that one was a shocker. Uh, because I think a lot of people, I mean, Jay Billis and some other people had picked Arizona to go all the way. Um, they're gonna go all Joe the way Biden. back there. Joe Biden, old Joe B. They went all the way back to Arizona. Joe Biden picked Arizona. Obama um, picked Duke. Serves them right, man. <laughs> what the hell are they doing, dude? I thought um I figured, you know, yeah. I'm glad to see him filling out brackets. Up. I always like to see who the president's gonna pick. It's cool, man. Like yeah. everybody talks shit or whatever. Like I mean, that in a like us bringing up who Biden and Obama picked in a bracket is not a political statement. It's just like it is cool. Like you can uh, like everybody. Uh, that's the best part about March Madness, man. Is it doesn't matter what you know what your affiliation to anything is. Uh, people dig it, right? I, I, uh, my wife at one point. Has no idea what's going on in college basketball. And I, I'm watching this Princeton, Arizona game. And I'm like, hey, look, like it's about to be an upset. She goes, Princeton made the NCAA tournament. We didn't. Embarrassing. And I'm like, well, yeah, good, great point. Uh, great, great analysis there, sweetie. But no, honestly, if we're breaking down the Arizona game, uh, Azulis, Tubelis, uh, they're big. And then they have Balo, 
um, a guy who came over, Tommy Lloyd's their head coach. He came from, he was assistant under Mark Few from Gonzaga. They've had two really good years there, but last year they left early. This year they left early. And the problem is Princeton doesn't have, have a lot of bigs. And so the way that Arizona kind of beats you now, Tubelis is one of the best bigs in the country, arguably first, second team, all American. Uh, just do you like a Lambo or Ferrari? Just kind of like one of those options. And so they can't guard on the perimeter. And so where they got exposed is they drew their bigs out and then they just took them to the basket and their bigs just couldn't guard the, the guards. And that's been the knock on Arizona all year. Now, Steve Robinson, uh, assistant when I was at UNC, is also on coaching staff. He's a very good coach. Uh, so I, I was actually pulling for Arizona. I was hoping they would win, but Princeton went on to beat uh, Mizzou. Sorry, Mizzou. Uh, you got to take that. Um, I know Mizzou was hoping to, to make a little run. They got excited when Arizona lost. But, hey, that's what all these teams do. Whenever you start being, oh, we our path just got easier – that's when you lose. Yep, absolutely. Potential chalk in the Midwest. As we record, we uh, game just tipped here, Miami, Indiana. Uh, But you got Houston, Texas, Xavier. Those are one, two, three, uh, the four, five game versus Miami. So no matter the outcome there, uh, essentially chalk there. In the South, you got Alabama, San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State, of course, beat Furman after Furman upset. Virginia, you got Princeton who beat Missouri, and then you're going to have the winner of Creighton and Baylor, and that looks like it's going to be Creighton because they're up four, fifth, uh, what is that, 16 now with 7.25 to go. A curse right there. Here comes a key to comeback for Baylor, but uh, that'll be a 6-15 matchup. Uh, down in the east, you got Tennessee waiting on the winner of Fairleigh Dickinson FAU. You got Michigan State, Kansas State. Um, and then that's a three, seven matchup. Then you've got, uh, in the West to round out the sweet 16, you got our Kansas who beat Kansas and then who beat your Kansas and then Yukon, uh, sneaky, good Yukon team, uh, beat a good St. Mary's team. And then you got uh UCLA waiting on the winner of TCU Gonzaga, which tips later on tonight. So, um, you know, of course the stage isn't fully set. There's not a, not a lot of these, uh, you know, currently active games, maybe if you like Indiana or Miami to go somewhere, um, you know, maybe if you really like, uh, I don't know, if you really like Gonzaga or TCU or Creighton. But uh, we basically got the Sweet 16 rounded out. That's where I was going. I was going to say, what do you think next? Well, who, who Who's your pick? Who do you think is going to win? Let's start there. Man, I, I've I've been very impressed all along by Alabama. And, yeah. you know, probably not exactly a, a going out on a limb type pick. I just think Brandon Miller's the best player in the country. I think he's the best player in the country. And I think he's the best NBA player in the country. And when you got those guys, I get it, he's got a lot of off court shit going on. Um, don't have any idea whether it's, whether, you know, this is not a statement on one side or the other of what I think is right, wrong, or otherwise. But I just think that when you got a player that's, that's that good, uh, you can go a long way in the tournament. And when a push comes to shove and you're in a close game, big game, tight game, like you want that guy. And he's that guy. Well, aim score in the first uh, game. Uh, uh, yeah. So he's scoreless. And their coach came out, said he had a little injury, but he's all better now. And he's playing healthy and he had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, shot the hell out of it. I think he got up like 20 shots or whatever. But he, here's my thing is a lot of people agree with you. And 
a lot of people would say there's only one thing, there's only one thing that can get in the way of Alabama winning the national championship, and that's the Department of Justice intervening and, you know, not not allowing Brandon Miller to play. Now, I, I know I joke about that, but Brandon Miller has been the center of controversy, and I'm, their head coach, Nate, Nate Oates, hasn't been uh, the smoothest about statements or forthcoming uh, dealing with that. And I know he's had to talk mm-hmm. back some things that he said, uh, but the, for those people, if there's anybody out here that doesn't know, apparently, allegedly, he brought a gun that was used uh, to a murder scene. Uh, it was in his car and he brought it and somebody picked it up and it was used in a murder. Allegedly, that's what happened. It's all over the news. I don't know the details of it or all the story. Um, that's what happened. I'm not going to discuss it because I'm not informed enough to talk about uh, the details. But if if I'm looking at this bracket and Alabama is a very popular pick, here's a sleeper to me, UConn. UConn's a great team. I think UConn is playing very good. They have an outside presence. Jordan Hawkins is playing like an NBA player. Adano Sunogo is an unbelievable beast, controls the paint. If they get rolling now early on sleep, they have some depth. Their only issue is do they have a point guard? And they're playing very well. That is my sleeper pick to win the whole thing is UConn. So I'm going to roll with UConn. I'm going to go with somebody a little different than Bama. But I, I do see Bama kind of having a cakewalk walking into the final four. So let's, yeah, I do too at this point. Um, so let's, 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 let's step back one step because you also got UConn has, um, UConn's got Kansas next weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas beat Illinois, good team. Beat Kansas, number one team. So they got, you know, they're on a roll. Um, so they're going to come up against UConn, another good team. Then you got to you got to think UCLA is coming out of that other game. They're going to play the winner TCU Gonzaga. UCLA is another one. Like if you ask me, all right, you can't have Alabama. I'd take UCLA. So you got UCLA. Say hypothetically, you're gonna have UCLA, UConn, and UConn's got a absolute gauntlet to get to the national championship. So if they get it, they earned it. Okay, um, I'm gonna take UCLA, Alabama, Final Four. Then down in the East, you've got uh, you know Tennessee's gonna probably come out of the the game, uh, their first game next weekend in the uh, Sweet 16 because they're gonna have. Olaf Dick and then uh, FAU, and then you're going to have Michigan State, Kansas State, you know, so I'd probably go probably go Michigan State there. I could see Michigan State getting the Final Four. That's what I'll take. I'll take Michigan State in the Final Four and then over Tennessee. And then you got in the um, Midwest, Houston's going to play the winner of Miami and Indiana. That's going to be a good game. I'm going to take Houston. And then you got Xavier, Texas. I'm going to take Texas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to take Xavier. Uh, and I'm going to take Houston in the Final Four. So that rounds me out at Alabama, Houston, UCLA, Michigan State. Two ones, a two, and a seven. I will take UCLA over Xavier. And then, you know, we still have time to talk about this, but somewhere in like 68, 69, range 69 68 close one there i'm going to take uh alabama will beat michigan state by 6 to 8 and then um alabama will win against ucla 77 74 be a great game so i like that shot um, all that shit down for us 
I, I, if anybody scores 70 points on UCLA, it'll be a miracle. Uh, their head coach, Mick Cronin, is an unbelievable job, and he makes that game dirty and plays defense. Yep. So here's my other thing is, all right, so we're I, I'm going to have Bama coming out of the South, mm-hmm. and Alabama's good. Too many athletes, and I think their X factor is a guy named Betty Aka mm-hmm. who can block everything inside. Yep. I said this early on yep. when you, when North Carolina played, I was I was very impressed with him. And then more than likely, we're going to have uh, Florida Atlantic playing Tennessee. I'm going to take Tennessee in that. I just think Tennessee is too big. Uh, they have athletes now. Where I struggle is Kansas State versus Michigan State. Tom Izzo, uh, they have some young guards that are coming on and playing well. Uh, they re- they do rely on a little more three-point shooting than historically they have, but that kind of seems to be the trend. But I'm going Kansas State. And the reason I'm going Kansas State is be- because of Marquise Noel, the most electrifying guy in the NCAA tournament right now, not even close. The guy is not six foot, almost put 30 in, I don't know, almost – this dude is the ultimate competitor competitor. And I had him on my first team all American list. He's been he's been making Kansas State look really good this year. He can do everything. He gets his teammates involved. And also they have this other player named Keontae Johnson. Now, for you people who don't know, this is probably the best story in college basketball. Um, he is the guy who played for Florida and collapsed on the court and spent multiple days in a coma, multiple days, like two or three days in a coma. Um, and then he wakes up and Florida tells him he can never play again because of a heart condition. Um, he rehabs and does very well. And then he goes to Kansas state for the first year head coach, uh, Jerome Tang, who is arguably the coach of the year too, getting a lot of hype for that. And so they've been electrifying all year. I'm going Kansas State. And then I'm rolling with Kansas State to the Final Four. I can't stop this bus. I love this team. They're going up against Bama. Bama, Kansas State, can't to watch, cannot wait to watch that in the Final Four. And then I'm going to, okay, we got Houston, the winner of Miami and Indiana. I'm going to say Houston goes down. Houston goes fucking down that first game to whoever wins, Miami or Indiana. And then Texas is going to beat Xavier. And then now Xavier's very good. They lead the, t- they lead the country in assist. And so they can really score, but can they play defense? That's a big question mark on them. Texas has too many athletes that get up and down. They're going to control the game and win. And then I'm going to march with Texas going into that final four. And then we have the West, which the West is an absolute beast. Uh, we have Arkansas, which is a fantastic team to watch. Tons of athletes. They couldn't throw in the ocean. They're going to be all over the boards. But UConn is too strong, too big, too talented, and too skilled. They're going to win that game. And then we have UCLA, and UCLA will play the winner of TCU. TCU is too athletic for Gonzaga. They cannot run. Mike Miles is the fastest guy in college basketball since Ty Lawson. He plays for TCU. They're, they score more points, more fast break points than any team in the country. They're the fastest offense in the country. Exciting to watch. Watch that game sleep. TCU will advance. They will play UCLA. It'll be an absolute It'll be contrast of styles. UCLA is ugly. They play dirty basketball. They're going to slow it down, try to beat you up with their defense. Mick Cronin is also the best-dressed coach in college basketball. But you know what? TCU is going to take that one. 
and then they're going to play UConn. UConn's going to the Final Four. UConn's going to beat Texas, and then they're going to meet Alabama in the finals. Alabama is too young, too inexperienced, and too much bullshit going on. UConn's going to win it. There you go. You heard it here first, everybody. That's a pretty good rundown, Big Hawk. What would be cool is I think Houston and Texas in the Midwest. I don't know where they're playing the Sweet 16 next week, but regardless, like if Houston plays Texas, um, which I got Xavier, but if you know, if I, so, basically, just rewind and whatever I just said. If you want to throw some money on it, like go the opposite, uh, and you'll probably do very well for yourself. But uh, Houston, Texas, and I'll actually be in Austin next week. Uh, I might just wear like a, a hat, a cowboy hat, and a bolo tie, and um, check that one out. But yeah, there's still a lot of good games left. I mean, that's the thing is like there's a lot of like how the hell did these guys get here? But there's still. Some 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 great teams. In Fucking Austin, man. Fucking barbecue, man. Give your credit card company oh, a heads up. You're gonna be at that <laughs> yeah. barbecue spot because they're going to fuck you. What is it? Franklin's and one hundred and fifty dollars, and then they want yeah. you to stand in line for hours. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Weird. Weird place. Um. Oh, I found myself over the weekend. For all you Tar Heel fans out there, you can continue to implement this strategy. Although I feel like, you know. The stress has been relieved from these first two rounds, uh, and FOMO no longer exists. Uh, at least it doesn't for me. But I found myself like after after I think it was Virginia was like the first chip to fall. I think they were the first upset, and then I realized I was like, I just want everybody to lose. I want the the whole tournament to be inverted, and literally every single low seed except NC State to win, and. It sort of felt like at one point that was kind of happening. And it was awesome because I was like, dude, everybody's falling here. Nobody's worth a shit. All these, and we talked about it all year. You know, I'm sitting here, even as we were going down and looking at, um, you know, we were sitting here going down and looking at, at Purdue, who finished 29 and six. Indiana came in second in the league. They were 23 and 11. And everybody else in the, in the Big Ten had double digit losses. Everybody in the Northeast Conference had double-digit losses. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, damn, dude, everybody was losing a ton of games this year. I mean, we did, too, and we lost every single one that mattered. But when you back out and look at it, man, this was just the whole year was an anomaly, man. Like, it was a lot of of weird, um, you know, weird basketball. Um, So, anyway, I mean, you heard our picks, and and that's where they are. Go ahead. We got to give a shout out to Big Blue Nation, and oh. they accomplished something great this week. And they snapped the 1,447 days without an NCAA tournament win. They finally got it. It's been about three or four years since Kentucky has won, and I know that was a huge accomplishment. And they were one and done. That's kind of fitting for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so big congrats to Big Blue Nation. You guys got that one win. You guys talked a lot of smack to us at uh, where's UNC in the tournament. Well, uh, you guys. Same place you are now. Yeah, same. Hey, let's go on vacation now. Yeah. Let's, uh, got some great bourbon there, man. Enjoy it. You're going to need it because you got a long time before you're going to come back. Uh Many, many moons since those guys made it past the first round. Um, I think last time they did, guess who Guess who slapped them with it? We did. Uh, speaking of weird shit, um, before we get out of here, you got to talk about some of the size of basketball. Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Jets next season. I mean, that to me is beyond strange. Um, you know, I, and, and it's the reason it's beyond strange is because like he wants to go there. I mean, 
I'm curious to get your take. We've talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I like Aaron Rodgers. I don't really care that he's weird because, I mean, I don't have a like real affinity or a hatred for the Packers or the division or any of that. Like what Aaron, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Like he ain't going to the Cowboys. He ain't going to the Eagles. So like, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other what he does. Um, I think he's great. I do think it's interesting that he's only ever won one Super Bowl. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, I think that some of, you know, his naysayers kind of point to some of his overrated statistics. But, you know, I know you don't do a ton of football, Big Hawk, but I love football, though. Let's talk. But, it. Yeah. I mean, dude, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, like after dude. his whole uh, going into so, the damn darkness for three days. I, I don't think it's like a done deal. Like, I don't think the ink's dried on that situation for him and the Jets. But what th- this this leads me to my next segue is he's already running the program. Apparently he is telling the Jets like, hey, you need to go out and get this guy. Then they go out and get it. They got his offensive coordinator that he's been with for forever that he loves apparently. And so he's with the Jets now. They flew out to Cali and hung out with them. And that was pre-darkness, which I cannot imagine all the, like, why would you nourished him in there, man? Dude, what? Dude was delirious. And And he's like, I want you to sign Randall Cobb. And they're like, and Mercedes Lewis and Lazard, I think, is a younger guy. And they're like, okay, I think they went out and got Lazard or somebody. They just signed somebody like fucking Randall Cobb, dude. Like, look, Randall Cobb was awesome in his day, right? But that's like that's like going out and saying, man, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I, I want, want you to take Bruce. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to sign Isaac my Bruce. Hey, okay, hey go, buddy, go, you in shape? Yeah, go, go, go grab me Des Bryant off the waiver wire. It's like, look, these guys are great, but they were great, like when I was in high school. So, uh, yeah, dude. And it's funny you say that. Cause like, I mean, dude, it's like, that would be the ultimate. Like, what if he had like, what if he was one of those guys that like the jets scorned him in the draft or something once upon a time. And so he made him go out and and sign all these like old ass dudes. And he's like, nah, I was just fucking with the old man. I'm retiring. That'll be the best. And then have Zach Wilson throwing all of them. It would not be beyond Aaron. And and guys, listen, I love the way he plays, man. This guy keeps getting weirder and weirder. I love, uh, but the, the other thing in football, the NFL is this Sean Payton to the Broncos. And I know you're a big Russell Wilson guy. Uh, You just love Russell. Uh, Apparently, somebody asked him in the media that they're like, so what do you think about these players that have their own offices and their own staff that come in? He's like, listen, the only staff that's going to be here is my staff. Nobody else is how we run the program. I don't know about that. It was just like a drill sergeant coming in there. And I, you know, Sean Payton's super intense and like very strict. And I just thought that was so comical. Yeah. Like, what the fuck does Russell Wilson have an office for? Dude, he like, has his own office. Like, yeah. apparently he doesn't go And he to said his open room. door policy. They said he had an open door policy too. Like, he's the, like, he's the damn uh, open door. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's a damn social studies teacher. It's so weird, man. And I, you know, there's a lot of shit still to fall. So when when basketball does wrap here, like there's a lot of NFL storylines coming our way. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga last night, twenty four eight, like three assists, something like that, high scoring a game. Man, he was going off, and um, you know, and uh, Golden State lost by about twenty uh, to John ja Morantless Grizzlies. Um, but he's starting to play well. So keep your eye on him. Um, I'm a big fan of Kaminga. And one last thing is if you guys want to get on here and do some 
sports picks, uh, go to prize picks and use the promo code HANDSBRO and hit me up with some of these picks that you guys have that you're uh, choosing. We'll debate it back and forth. They'll match. If you deposit 100, they'll match it uh, with another hundo. So let me know if you guys do that, and we'll have some fun, especially during these tournament games. If you want to bomb a sleep, I'll go to Jimmy's Famous Seafood and eat some crab cakes because that's the type of shit I like to do on the weekends and just tag me in it. I mean, those guys, uh, you'll, probably, you'll probably get a lot I farther need, doing that. I need to get some more crab cakes. I'm going to... I'm going to Kentucky soon. My dad's always asking about oh, those. Dude. My Ever dad since I got, I got the shirt on last time I saw him. It's like a, it's so like, does hey, my man, dad dropping the hint, dude. He's like, uh, "Hey man, you got any crab cakes?" I was like, "Nah, dude, I ain't got them in my fucking pockets, dude. Where the hell you think I've got going on with it?" <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, appreciate those guys' support. And uh, you got anything else, Big Hawk? Stay safe. Stay safe.